Good morning, everybody. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kirk Chrisman. I'm on the preaching team, and today is an awesome day. I love Resurrection Sunday. Amen, Dave? Amen. Um, I just want to say to the worship band, the worship team, thank you for y'all's service and your ministry, and, and especially thank you for that Dry Bones Rattling song. I love that song. I get excited about, I love songs about resurrection, and part of that's because of my story. We, our, our daughter passed when she was four years old, so every time I think about resurrection, I'm like, you're going to get it, Satan. I'm going to get her back, I'm going to see her again, and you're going to get it, and I get pumped about that, and so that song is one of my favorites. I mean, I just like want to come out of my skin, and I, you know, I think that um, we should be willing and wanting to do that. I don't mean to talk about sports every time that I, I talk, but because I'm a sports dork, but I think we should get more excited about the resurrection than any football or baseball game or anything like that, you know? When the Rockets were attempting to get their three-peat, I was at Skeeter's restaurant banging on the table, and I, I was hitting the table so hard, I smashed my ring and, and made it go flat, you know? And I don't ever want to be more excited about sports than I am about the kingdom and, and, and the resurrection. And this is Resurrection Sunday, and when I... When I told Lena I would take this week. I really wasn't thinking about what the date was, but I'm, I'm going to go there in just a second. Uh, so we just took communion, and depending on what your, your affiliation or your background is, what you grew up believing or being taught about communion, you may think some denominations believe that the, the bread actually becomes the body of Christ as we eat it, and the, blood act, the wine actually becomes the blood. And so they, they take communion very, very seriously, and you have to be a member of their church in order to partake it there. And then other denominations believe that if you're not a believer or that you have sin and you take communion, then you're actually bringing judgment on yourself as you take it. And so you can, and they're, and they're basing that off of something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, where he said that there are some who take communion unworthily. And he, there's, there's a whole background story of what's going on there. But in another place, See, and communion is, is a part of the, fa- the Passover celebration. We're celebrating. It, for the Jews, it started when the death angel passed over the Hebrew homes when they had blood on the doorpost. But for the church, once the revelation came that that was a picture of the cross, the blood was shed and put on the doorpost of our lives, and therefore the death angel passes over us. So taking Passover, communion at Passover, has a different meaning, a deeper meaning for the believer. And Paul said in another place in Scripture, don't let anybody judge you because of festivals or new moons or Sabbaths. He wasn't saying that those things aren't good or real. He was just saying, and I'm totally paraphrasing, keeping it real simple, really high level, don't get caught up in the outward activities. Jesus didn't come to give us ceremonies and rituals. He came to give us resurrection life. And so... You know, Paul said, you could, you, could, you could say Paul sounds contradictory because in one place he's saying you're, you're taking communion unworthily and other he's saying don't let anybody judge you on how you take it. I believe that what he was saying is this is a picture of what Jesus did. And when we take it, it can actually help us build our faith. And there are people who've received healing by taking communion, not because there's magic or power in the bread or the wine, but it's an act of faith. And as we're taking it, we're declaring with our actions and our heart of what he has done. And so it becomes an act of faith, and we're stepping out in faith when we do that. So I love 
Resurrection Sunday. I love the word. I've got several different things, uh, just a couple of big ideas that I believe God's going to weave together for us. I just want to confess, I never feel like I'm prepared enough. I really don't. I, I get a direction from the Lord, and, and he starts to highlight certain things, and I think I've got it, and then the day before, it, it changes and it rearranges, and then the night before, it does some more, and then at four in the morning of the day that I'm preaching, it does some more, and I'm not saying that to self-abase or to give myself an out. I just want to declare that, um, you know, anybody who's up here, we're not performing. We're here to minister to the body and to receive and to speak what's on the Father's heart. This weekend, 16 years ago, was the most dramatic weekend time that I've ever heard God speak to me in my life. And it happened about two blocks away from here around the corner where we used to live. And it was the weekend that the Lord showed my wife what was wrong with our oldest daughter. She had a brain tumor. And the doctors couldn't figure it out for six months, and God revealed it to her that Easter Saturday. And it was that Sunday morning. It was the first time we hadn't gone to church ever that I could think of in my life because, I mean, I love church. My name, Kirk, is Scottish for church. In, in Scotland, you go to the Kirk, and then you go to church. And, but we, we stayed home, and we were just processing what we just discovered. Couldn't get in touch with the doctors yet. And... I'm sitting there looking out the window, and this is, the, this is the most memorable thing that I've ever heard. I could tell you the time, the date, and the place that God spoke it to me. And he said, just like I'm looking out the window, there's an intersection with a traffic light. And as tr- cars are stopping and turning and obeying the traffic laws, the Lord said to me, just like traffic moves according to patterns and systems, the world operates on patterns and systems that it understands, but I don't. Don't put your confidence in anything other than me. And that became the platform word that we stood on, and God walked us through the next three years. And um, that's a whole other story, but it happened on this weekend 16 years ago. And if, if we were truly a correct spiritual society, we wouldn't have all these different calendars, and we'd be on the right calendar, and this would be the same date that it was back then, but it's not because we're even. No, I'm just kidding. But... <laughs> Don't let anybody judge you based on the things, (laughs) you know. There's so many different calendars. There's even different Jewish calendars that are followed, and there's a little bit of, you know, division in in the, the Jewish community about what year we're actually in. The bottom line is God is on the throne. He created the stars and the moon for signs to speak to us about what was going on in the unseen realm so that we could be without excuse on the day that we do stand before him. And there will be a day when there will be no more distance between what is real and true in that realm and our ability to understand it. But in the meantime, we can take God at his word. And even if we don't get the exact moment or day right or we don't hold our cup right or we don't do every little thing right, the point is it's not about us doing anything to earn salvation. He's the one who laid his life down and shed his blood. It was his sacrifice, not ours. And so because of that, we enter in by faith. We don't enter in by our works and our abilities. When Jesus told the lawyer who was asking him about what the greatest commandments were, because he, he was trying to justify himself, and Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I was thinking about that this week, and he started speaking to me about that. So he took it from 10 down to 2, 
And the ten were meant to show you can't even abide by those. You can't even adhere to that. And, I, and he, he, he kind of pricked my heart and he said, do you realize your people are trying to live by those two in their own strength? They've substituted the ten for the two. But really, the only way that you can love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself is by receiving the love that he first gave you. So it's, it's like when he gives you a command, he's also giving you the capability to do it. So it's not even in your strength. It's not your works and your ability. It's a, oh, that's how it works. Okay, according to your word, be it unto me. Okay, God, you loved me, so now I can love you. And because you love me and I can love you, now I can love others the way that I love myself. So we're living in this dynamic tension, this mystery between different worlds and realities, different, different ends of the spectrum. We, we see the Old Testament, and, and, and we see things that are spoken there, and then we see the New Testament. And the enemy tries to always come and give us an either-or scenario. You know, it's like, well, you got to throw out the Old Testament because it's old. No, it was the First Testament. We have a better covenant, and it's, it's not either-or. It's both and and more. And, again, everything that was done in the natural was to point to a spiritual reality. So if you'll bear with me just a second, I'm going to share a couple of thoughts. Uh, you may have noticed the sword is back from <clears throat> the last week. Um, during COVID, I was standing at my sink one day and looking out the window, and we needed groceries. And I had this thought, okay, well, I'll just go down to HEB and I'll get some groceries. And, it's, you know, that was not fun to go shopping during that time. I'm not really into shopping anyways, but <laughs> it was really not fun during those times. And... All of a sudden, the Lord started speaking to me about a verse in Jeremiah 17, 9, where it says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? If you don't have the full picture, that can sound really discouraging and defeated. And you're like, because God's the one saying that. If he's saying it, we don't have a chance, right? But he started illustrating to me, why, why is it so deceptive? And he started showing me how our heart makes decisions swiftly and subtly, very swiftly and very subtly. And he used that example of going to H-E-B to, to teach me this. He said, you just declared in your heart that you have the right to travel to the store. You have, a, a, you have the freedom to do it. Your, your air, that you believe that the air in your tires are properly sufficient to take you there. You declare that you believe you have gas in your car. You believe that you've got enough money to pay for it. You, you declared your faith in the banking system to operate properly when you got there. You, you declared your belief that there would be food on the shelves when you got there. And that, you, and I was like, and I'm not even giving you all the things. It was just so, it's like, oh my gosh, in a split second, I had already, I was prepared to act on all these different things that if any one of them was not true, I could not accomplish that thing of going and getting the thing that I needed. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was showing me that's, that's why it's so important to pay attention to our heart. That's why the matters of the heart are so important. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. New King James Version says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. In Luke 6.45, Jesus said, a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart, and an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. 
For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then in Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. How does it come out of your mouth? Through your tongue, which you alone have control over. Heart and mouth, there's a correlation. There's a deep mystery contained there that we need to pay attention to. With the mouth, there's four, at least four things that you do with your mouth. You breathe, you eat, you speak, and you also express intimacy. Whether, whether it's a kiss or whether it's just an expression, you know, you can, you can convey, you can convey, hmm? you can convey, it's part of the whole expression in your face. You can, you can convey a lot. When, when I grew up, my mom was in the choir at our church. She could convey a lot with just a look. It was like, you know, it was like, oh, I'm getting, I'm grouted when I get home today, you know. Um, it, I want to circle back to one other thing about resurrection and worship. I love getting excited about God and what he's doing. And I remember when me and my friends, my teenage friends, we, we were of the skater group, skaters, and some of my friends were gangsters, and, and or so they said. I don't know. I was just, <laughs> um, but, you know, we had long hair and cuts in our jeans, slits in our jeans, and, and they'd come to church wearing sandals or barefoot and bring skateboards. And so at that time, there was, we had a competition with those that were um, more advanced in years than us, and so they liked to sit on the front. So if they got to the front before we did, we would just sit on the floor. We would just sit, like we would sit, we would be sitting all right here. We wanted to be close to where the action was, you know? And, um, but anyway, I, I, I think that that's important to, um, I think it's awesome and important to be excited about what God's doing. But anyway, back to the mouth. So we breathe, we eat, we speak, we express. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have a problem, though, because we don't see or hear everything clearly. In 2 Corinthians, we're admonished to take every thought captive, and that's where I'm going to end up going. But a couple of other illustrations. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, talking about after we are resurrected and with the Lord. We will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. That word for a reflection in a mirror is using an ancient word. It meant a mirror made of polished metal. It only produced an indistinct image or reflection. It wasn't like our mirrors today. So to get an accurate picture or reflection, you had to look from different angles. You had to kind of move it around and catch because you couldn't see yourself perfectly. You had to get different angles or standpoints. One day, we're not going to have to do that. We won't have that darkness. We won't have that obscurity of sight and vision. That's what I love about the way that God brings us truth. He didn't say we have to see it clearly. He said he brings it to us through his word. 
Sound can penetrate darkness. Whales don't have to see each other to be able to communicate across the entire ocean. They can send signals out hundreds of miles and communicate. That's, what I, that's why Jesus said, be careful, take heed how you hear, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so let's talk about the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Does that sound like an invitation and an open door, or does that sound like a hard rule or instruction that you need to follow? When I first heard it, it sounded, I mean, I loved it. It was one of the first scriptures I memorized in, in the New Testament, but I, when I heard it, I was like, it sounded like very informative and instructive and like, I've got to live by every word. I didn't realize it was a reality that God was inviting he wasn't saying, you better do this or I'm going to kill you. He was saying, no, you're going to live in relationship with me. The words that I speak to you are going to give you life. Not just the food, not just the manna on the ground, but the words that I speak to you about how and when to go and collect that manna and receive it. That's actually what's going to bring you life. In Romans 10, 17, Paul says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in Romans 1, 17, it's where Paul says the righteous shall live by faith. Again, that word shall, it's not, a, it's not a command or something that you need to go perform. It's an invitation to enter in, and it's an explanation of who we are created to be and how things actually function and operate. So we don't live by natural things alone. We live by every word that proceeds. It's active. Now, the word that's used for word in those two verses is rhema. And I want to share with you what Rick Renner, who's an incredible Greek um, professor and minister, explains about the word for rhema. The word in those verses is taken from the Greek word rhema, which describes something that is spoken clearly, vividly, in unmistakable terms and undeniable language. In the New Testament, the word rhema carries the idea of a quickened word. And I watched him. He was giving a, a, uh, an illustration, bringing out the sword again. Now, this is not a Roman sword. A Roman sword would have two sides to it. So it's a, it would be a double-edged sword, so it could cut you either way. But Roman soldiers had a very distinct way of training their soldiers to fight. They made fun of anybody that had fought like this, like a weed whacker motion, chopping. Because those had limited effect. The bones and the armor that you would wear could protect. You could, you could injure somebody, but you couldn't kill somebody. But if you just went two inches into a person's body with piercing, you could kill them. And so they, taught, they were taught to fight like this. And so when the word of God is described in Hebrews 4.12 as being a double-edged sword, it's written in the time when they're coming from that era where the Romans were, they would have known, that would have been a reality to see Roman centurions walking around. They would have known what a double-edged sword looked like. And God gave me this this morning. What's contained in the word sword? Word. That's our weapon, is God's word. Now, the other thing that is really cool about this is the word that is used in Greek. You've heard John, if you've heard some of John's messages, he's, he's alluded to it. And he's mentioned to it. 
But the phrase two-edged is taken from the Greek word dystomos, and it is unquestionably one of the oddest words in the entire New Testament because it is a compound of two words, and when these words are put together, they describe something that is two-mouthed. Don't you agree that this seems a little strange? Why would the Bible refer to the word of God repeatedly as a two-edged sword, or literally a two-mouthed sword? The word of God is like a sword that has two edges, cutting both ways, doing terrible damage to an aggressor. Ephesians 6.17 calls it the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I just read you what that definition of rhema means. So here's an example of rhema or a quickened word. You're praying about a situation and suddenly a Bible verse rises up from inside your heart. And at that moment, you are consciously aware that God has given you a verse to stand on and to claim for your situation. You've received a word that came right out of the mouth of God and dropped into your spirit. That word from God was so sharp that it cut right through your questions, your intellect, the natural logic, and lodged deep within your heart. And after you meditated on that rhema or that quickened word from God, it suddenly began to release power inside you. Soon you couldn't contain it any longer. Everything within you wanted to declare what God had said to you. You wanted to say it. You want to release it out of your mouth. And when you do, those powerful words that were sent forth like a mighty blade to drive back the forces of hell that had been marshaled against you, your family, your business, your ministry, your finances, your relationship, or your body. First, the word came out of the mouth of God. Next, it came out of your mouth. That's what makes it a double-edged sword. When it came out of your mouth, it became a sharp two-edged or literally two-mouthed sword. One edge of this sword came into existence with the word initial, when it initially proceeded out of God's mouth. The logos is thought of to be like this. It's general. The written word. Logos doesn't always mean written, but there's a general word. You can read the Bible and you can get something good out of it. This is, you're conducting warfare by just reading the word. But when all of a sudden, a scripture pops up in your spirit, that's why it's important to know the address, by the way, so you can choose your weapons and that you can be instructed which weapon to pick up. But when that, a scripture is highlighted and it's, comes out of the mouth of God. It's already proceeded from the mouth of God. But when he breathes on it, all of a sudden it becomes a... And you drive the enemy back. And so when it, when it says to take every thought captive, Dr. Renner said what the picture is is of a Roman soldier sticking his sword in the back of someone and telling him, move, let's go, get out of here. You're taking captive. You're saying, no, I mean it. If you don't move, this sword is going right through your back and you're dead because it only needs a couple of inches to do you in. That is what we are after. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, any natural thing, any natural tool. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's where we started. The heart is inside us. We don't have the ability to see it or know it or understand it, but God does. And when we hear what God says to us, that's how you receive salvation. You, you, you receive the revelation that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again on Resurrection Sunday. Some say it was the night before, but again, we're not going to get judged on that. The point is, everybody realized Sunday morning that he was not in the tomb. And you place your faith in Christ, all of a sudden you have eternal life deposited into your heart. 
You hear what he said, you believe it, and you say, yes. All I have to do is call on the name of the Lord. People have gotten saved by just saying, Jesus, yes, I call on you. But the tension between the seen and the unseen is where you and I live today. And the Bible says several things about the unseen realm. First off, the things that are seen are actually the things that are temporary. So if there's anything in your life right now that you don't like, that causes you pain or anger or hurt, it's temporary by default. But God wanted to put on display in the seen realm his glory that can only come through a relationship with him. I'm going to steal, I stole this from Miles Monroe, but he said, the unseen wanted to rule the seen on the seen through the unseen in the seen so that what was unseen could be seen on the scene by those on the scene. And everything that we are doing every day, no matter what we're, Everything in the body of Christ, everything in the kingdom, everything in the Bible is a picture of this simple concept. We were put here and created on purpose for a purpose. To live in a relationship with an incredible, glorious father who could easily reveal himself and put everybody in their place. But he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal myself through a relationship through mankind. I'm not, I don't want to rule them through regulation. I don't want to rule them through religion or ritual. I want to rule them through relationship. And that explains the mystery of what Paul said. It's impossible to please him without faith. Paul said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I'm not going to undo that. I'm not going to unpack that whole verse, but it's not saying it's impossible to please God. It's saying there's only one way. Think about this. God does not need your performance. He doesn't need your abilities. He gave you your abilities. He's not impressed by anything that you can do in or on or of yourself. That's not what impresses God. What impresses God is when you who are weak compared to him and limited compared to who he is and where he is, simply hears the words that come out of his mouth, and you say, yes, Father. Let it be unto me according to your word, just like Mary said. When God says something, you do it. That is the way that we please God. And that is what Jesus came to do when he, when he died on the cross and resurrected. He was bringing us back and giving us back that relationship that we lost in the garden. We didn't lose heaven. If God wanted us in heaven, we would have started out there. He wanted to bring heaven to earth through us, through a right relationship. Heaven's where we go as a temporary holding place once we die until he fixes everything here on earth. But we're coming back to reign with him. So while we live out our days on the scene with the unseen, be encouraged. And also, I believe that God is saying that we need to be willing to be vigilant and tenacious. What we're doing here, this is the last thing that he showed me this week. What we do here on Sunday 
is not just a ramp up or a warm up or a catch up for the week. It's actually a picture of what's available for all of us on an individual basis. Now, there is something awesome and special that happens when we get together. There's nothing like when believers get together and we, we sing with one voice. We're practicing coming into unity and agreement when we all sing on the same note and sing the same words in the same song with the same heart, with the same willingness to do whatever he's saying to do. But that's a picture of what's available to every single one of us on an individual basis. We can wake up every morning and sing to God and say, even if you don't sing, sing, you can just say, God, I'm, I'm yours. You're on your throne. You're God alone. I'm here because of you. I love you. I'll do whatever... I receive what you want for me, and I believe that that's another aspect of it, is that God wants us. There's so much that he has for us to inherit and receive this side of eternity. Heaven is real. If you believe in Jesus and you've received salvation, you're going there. But there's so much that he has for us right now. Simple little closing example, but this week... I was working on a project for work where I was helping my customer to find new recruits to hire. And I'd never done anything like that. And I kind of prayed about it. I did pray about it a little bit, but I didn't really feel like I prayed about it enough to get the answer that God gave me. But I needed help finding people. And with one little thought, I was on a job site, and I felt like, tell everybody that you're looking for people. So I said, hey, man, if y'all know anybody, if it, we need, we're looking for employees. And this one guy goes, well, you need to call this guy. I was like, okay. So I called him. He didn't answer. I sent him a text. He was in a class, and he texted me back because he couldn't talk. And he said, because he's teaching the class, he said, do you want me to blow your phone up? I was like, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to text me five or six people or something. Well, lo and behold, he's like an um, I guess we call him an influencer, but that's not what he's, he's, he's pretty well-respected guy in a, I don't know what you call it on Facebook, where it's like a, a group or whatever with almost 18,000 followers. And so he goes, you sure? I said, yeah. So he, he takes my little blurb that I sent him of what we were looking for and puts it out on Facebook. My phone starts ringing for three days. And then after the weekend, it started ringing again. And it's like, Bzzz. Hey, I mentioned the job. I mentioned the job. And all of a sudden, I got thrust into doing something that I'd never done before. And I started learning how to talk to people. And, um, you know, basically, I was pre-screening them for an interview. So I was so excited. I was like, whoa, I, got, I saw God move. And I kind of prayed, you know. It's like it wasn't, it wasn't like God just did it without me doing it. You know, like God does things without us even asking sometimes. But I believe he wants us to be more engaged and more aware of the process. And so we get down to the day where we're doing interviews. And the first two were home runs. They just knocked it out of the park. And I'm feeling so good. I'm like, yes. Because, like, every person that I'm bringing in there is a reflection on how good a job I did in talking to them. And then all of a sudden, we get a guy in there, and we have this great interview. And they go, okay, we're going to go run your background. Failed. Sorry, right, man, you gotta, we can't hire you until you go get this taken care of. Next, so the next guy comes in. And they say, we're not even, okay, we're just going to run your background right now. We don't want to go through this again and have this happen. Fail. Five in a row. Fail, fail, fail. And each time, I'm just kind of like withering on the inside. I'm just like, oh, man. I mean, this, I spent my whole Saturday 
typing up notes and turning in a report to my, co- I mean, like, this was a big deal to me. So we go to lunch, and all the while, this feels a little bit like that song, Friday's Disappointment <laughs> was Sunday's Empty Tomb. And I just feel this thing in my spirit, like, don't give up. No, there's something's not right here. There's something's not right here. You know, one of the things you learn to listen, look for patterns. When there's a pattern, there's often indication something going on. And so the first guy that got declined, he called me back. and He said, I called them, and they said, my record's clean. So we ran it again. Failed. So we sent him a screenshot, and he wrote back, I've never worked at that company in my life. And come to find out, it, was, it had to do with the way that they were putting the query in the database. Had nothing to do with his record. But five men in a row got rejected. And it's embarrassing. If you're, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak for women. But to be told as a man, you don't qualify. And, and, and every single one of them says, man, I've never done drugs in my life. I've never done, and even the ones that have done drugs, you know, they'll sit there and tell you the same thing. But these five people... These five people were being honest. And it was one of them had driven all the way from Beaumont. And, other, and so I, I pushed. I, from what I learned here in this church, I pushed in. I was like, okay. I went to the lady. I said, could you please, can we get on the phone? Let's try to figure out what's going on. Something doesn't smell right. She goes, I know you're not used to this, but we see this all the time. I said, I understand, but there's something not right. Could we please get on the phone? She, she said, I'll get on the phone for that one. We'll, I'll go check on that one person. 15, 20 minutes later comes back. I've never seen this happen in five years. There was a glitch in the system and all five of them are good. Unfortunately, one, the first one that was good and then got rejected, he got an offer that afternoon and he took it and he went somewhere else. Um, but the others, I think three out of the other, three out of the other four, they came around. And it, but it, it was awesome. But it, my point is, when that happened, I felt exhilaration. It was like resurrection. It's like, I mean, I was, I was shaking. I was, I was like, I told you I did. I know what I, you know. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not playing around. I'm here to do a good job for you people, you know. And that's just a tiny fraction of a glimpse of what resurrection life and power looks like. And when we see that Lord put the enemy totally underfoot, we're going to go nuts and that's why I think it's great that we should practice going nuts here on earth. Because if this makes us uncomfortable, whoo, you got a lot to be <laughs> prepared for, right? Um, but the, the resurrection life, God wants us to start taking this words that he speaks to us in the written word and in our hearts through prophetic words. He wants us, he wants to put on display his glory wherever we go. I don't preach sermons like this to the people that I work with, but God preaches to them through my life. And they make comments from time to time that I'm their Christian friend and I let them cuss and I still love them and all this other stuff, you know, and and they know, they can sense that there's something different. And there are times when I do get to speak to them, but I want to grow. I want to be, I want to be able to administer more effectively and more consistently Last week when I had that word about the knee, I was so uncomfortable. I don't think I've ever given a word about somebody being healed in my life. I've just never moved in that. And I, but I believe that that's something for all believers. And I was like, I had prayed 
a couple of weeks ago, God, I, wanted, I really want to get out of my comfort zone. I want to start learning how to move in that. And I was over there worshiping, and I felt this pain in my knee. And I was like, that's weird. I didn't have that before I came in here. And I was like, maybe that's a word I'm supposed to share, you know. And I sat there, and I sat on and wrestled with it. And I sent Lena a text. I think I said, I think I got a word. She didn't see it. And the service was getting ready to transition to the message. And I was like, okay, I may be wrong, but I just want to, I want to, if, even if I'm wrong, I want to step out. I want to be a good steward. And I want to, I want to be willing to risk it all. Because if I can't do it here, then I won't be able to do it on a job site or out in the secular world, you know? And one of the things that I said in my last sermon is that when we get together as the body of Christ, we're in an environment where, not, where only certain things can happen because if you're a person that God wants to get a word to and you're not able to hear it directly, that's part of the blessing of the body. He can use anybody else in this room to deliver that mail. And if you're the person who God's wanting to train to deliver mail, but the person that you have the message for isn't there, then the, the process is short-circuited. So it's a beautiful picture of what our inheritance is, whether we're in a service or whether we're on the job site, we are to live by every word that proceeds from his mouth. And when we participate in that process, and the other thing too is Amy, she texted Angie. She said, I don't know how to get in touch with Kirk, and she shared the testimony. That was so encouraging. If she hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have been edified. That built up my faith. I was like, okay, I'm stepping a little bit closer to the flame. And, but I, I just felt like God wanted to put um, on display and, and clarify that what we're doing here at church is actually a picture of, he wants to put himself on display. He wants to, he wants to glorify himself and put his manifold wisdom on display. He'll do it through song and worship. He'll do it through a quiet word. He'll do it through a little child. He'll do it through a business situation. He'll give you the opportunity to speak to somebody because you served and solved their problem in the natural and you're a person of excellence, and they can tell that you care and that you don't talk the same way that other people do. Without you even trying, he'll give you an opportunity to speak. But if you're not trained, if you don't have that mindset, if you just think, oh, I'm here to do a ritual, or I'm here to just sit in a chair, I got, it's Easter, i got to be at church, or that is so not what God has. That is so not what it's about. That's so not what we're here for. That's so not what you were born for. Every time you have a little glimpse in your heart, a little, when you see something in a movie or you hear something about awesome or, you know, some adventure or whatever, that's a glimpse of what, that's, the reason why you feel that's because that's what you were created for. You were to live a dynamic, spirit-filled life. And what did Jesus say about the spirit? You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. You just hear the sound. You can't see it. We don't, we want to be blown. We want to ride the wind of the spirit. We want to go wherever he's going. And so I, the last closing thing is I believe we need to get comfortable with and expecting more even in these services when we get to the end of a message this is not really the time to dismiss and just go eat sometimes we're going to do that that's fine again we're not following rituals or formulas but we need to get ready because after a word is given that's the time that we receive it and we let it we let God deal with us and God could be speaking to someone right now in a message. And if we just end it and run away, you could be short-circuiting that process again of not giving somebody 
Again, I'm not, we're not creating rules or religion. I'm just saying God is not about formulas and rituals and repetitious ceremony. He wants us all to be willing to step out of our comfort zone and be willing to follow what he's saying in any given moment. He want, that's why he wants us. It's good practice to get excited about him in worship. Get rid of your dignity. It doesn't get you anywhere anyways. <laughs> it's filthy rags compared to what he's given you on the cross. So everybody stand up. Father, by faith, we come before you and we, ah, we want what you want. We want to say yes in a bigger, deeper way. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you that we can't even love you in our own strength or power. You give us the power and the ability to love you because you loved us while we were still in sin and darkness. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's a sword. It's a two-edged, two-mouthed sword. And you've given us an incredible role of participating in the expression of it. God, there's so much we don't understand. There's so much in that unseen realm that does not make sense. And we're so thankful that you are on your throne and that you are for us and not against us and that you are good. And as a body of believers, as individuals, Lord, speak to us and convict us in every single area that we need to be willing to say yes in a new way. Maybe we need to be willing to stand up and lift our hands or to express our faith in front of people that we think will mock us. Maybe we need to be willing to step out and obey you in our finances. Maybe we need to be willing to give a word of encouragement or a word of knowledge to somebody. Maybe we need to stop thinking about ourselves as little ants or, or pieces of slime that climbed out of the ocean, and we need to start seeing ourselves as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, ambassadors, representatives of your kingdom. Father, whatever area it is that we need to say yes to, I just invite every single one of you in your own way right now to say yes and, and say, God, have your way in me. Challenge me. Convict me. Dig up that soil. Knock, pester me. Don't let it go until I say yes to what you want. The last closing thought was a couple of weeks ago, one of my daughters woke up in the morning and she was not, she was unhappy about something. And I could tell that there was something between us. And she didn't say it, but I finally said, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? And I had said something the day before that had hurt her feelings and embarrassed her and I defended her. She didn't say anything about it going to bed, but it didn't go away just because she slept. And God spoke to me through that moment. And that's part of the where I got the illustration of the splinter that I shared last time. We don't have to, there's lots of things in this unseen realm that we can't see with our natural eyes, but we can feel them. And whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling, learn to be led by the Lord and let him deal with whatever unseen thing is in your life. It is not worth, it is worth nothing compared to what he has for us. You can't even put your mind around defining what it is. This is not a negotiation where you get to understand the terms. You have an invitation to say yes on that contract and just put your life on the line before you understand anything. So if you're here today and you have not said yes to Jesus in that simple way of accepting his sacrifice as your own, the payment for your sins, I invite you to say yes to him right now. And if you have said yes, and the Lord has pricked your heart on any other area, I encourage you to turn to someone or ask someone to pray with you 
or just confess it and get it out there. Expose it. Declare it. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a testimony is established. But there is something, church, that God wants us to know and start to understand that there is a correlation between how his authority is released on the earth through our words. It's not something that we just go out and speak on our own and make happen. It's not self-help. This is not self-determination. But that is how the kingdom operates. And he wants us to enter into that revelation, that mystery in every area of life. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for resurrection, power, life, hope. Thank you for ringside seats when you finally put that old dog down. God, thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us peace. Thank you for doing what we couldn't have done. Thank you for defeating death. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the resurrected one. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.